Welcome to Eat, Sleep, Wine, Repeat, a podcast for all you wine lovers who, if you're like me, just cannot get enough of the good stuff. I'm Yanina Doyle, your host, brand ambassador, wine educator, and sommelier. So stick with me as we dive deeper into this ever-evolving, wonderful world of wine. And wherever you are listening to this, cheers to you. Hello to all you delicious, divine wine lovers. I've been told off by one of my listeners, Max, yes, you know who you are. I'm not allowed to say lovely wine lovers anymore. It's not good grammar, doesn't sound good. So, right, it's gone. Max, I hope you're happy. (laughs) Anyway, welcome all of you to today's episode. I am excited to introduce to you my guest, who is a celebrity chef. Andrea Zagatti. Now, he's only just gone and cooked for the likes of Kanye West, Drake, the Real Madrid Football Club, Chelsea Football Club. If you like your fashion, there's Valentino Garavanni. The list goes on. Prime Ministers, Royal Family, etc. So today we're, of course, going to be looking at his history and why cheesecake changed everything for him. We'll be looking at the best 50 restaurants of the world, how it is to be a celebrity chef, the Liber Pata party that he cooked for, the Golden Vine Awards, and of course we'll be touching on the wines that were drunk at this very special wine ceremony. Now, as this is my first chef on the podcast, and this is going to be a little bit more of a food-related episode, I want you all to know, in 2021, currently, what are the top five restaurants ranked in the world's 50 best? So number one, like many, many years, is Noma in Copenhagen. Number two, equally in Copenhagen, so I think we might all need to plan a trip, is Geranium. Then heading to Spain, there is Asador Echebari, which is in the region Acheondo. In Peru, in Lima, the capital, there is the Central restaurant. Then back to Spain, in Barcelona, there is Disfrutar. Now let me touch on Noma for a second, because I just dream of going there. This is Scandinavian cuisine from founder and chef Reni Redzepi. Three menus throughout the year, a vegetable season, the game and forest season and the seafood season, they ferment, they forage. Therefore, with a great focus on purity and on the environment, it may not be a great surprise that all of the wines are in fact natural. Apparently, there isn't even any Bordeaux. So that Liber Pata party that I'm going to be talking with Andrea about later, no, not even that wine is there. But natural wine sometimes gets a bad rap as if it's just a trend. And so I just want to touch on that for a second. The history and tradition of natural wine, in fact, goes back 8,000 years, starting with Georgia, most likely, and their clay vessels called quevries. I've actually been requested to do an episode on this one, so I will be coming back to that in the new year. So watch out for that. Now, although some natural wine can be funky and can have that mousiness that doesn't represent all natural wine. We should be seeing natural wine as a bit more of an important part of our wine culture, the story that it can give, the person behind the wine, the place. Certainly 90% of natural wine is made in the vineyard. It is a living wine. Now, There can be many additives in conventional wines and we don't have labelling laws to actually show you what's in that bottle. So at least with natural wine, the positive is you know that nothing was added and nothing was taken away. 
Now, since 2019, the Union for the Defence of Natural Wines has been around and they've been able to get France to recognise the term that happened last year in 2020. So now there is a label that winemakers can use if they sign up to this union. I think it's still a very long way away. Most wines are mentioned as being natural but don't have a label. But if you do see the term Van Méthode Nature, this is going to mean that for sure, the wine has been handpicked. It comes from certified organic grapes only, made with indigenous yeasts, and with only up to 30 milligrams per litre of sulphur, or also known as 30 parts per million ppm. And this can only be actually added at the end, so not before or during fermentation. And there are in fact two different labels, one that says there has been a little bit of added sulphur, and one that says no added sulphur at all. And of course, as I said, nothing added, nothing removed. And to get the Van Methode Nature label, each vintage is awarded every year. Now, as Noma doesn't have a wine list online, I'd imagine that's because their wine list is constantly changing. I've kept an eye out on the kind of wines that you're going to find there by following the head sommelier Mads Clip on his Instagram account. Do check out Domaine de la Octovin from the Jura. If you haven't seen these wines before, Google them and check out the labels. I'm not going to say anything more there. Just look it up. (laughs) Then I've seen that they have a very iconic wine, a volcanic orange wine made by Gabriel Bini in Sicily using 100% Muscatel de Alejandria. Very interesting. And this is called Serragia Bianco Zebibo. You definitely want to try this. And potentially the master of natural winemaking on the Sicilian island, Frank Cornelison, is of course there on the list. Right, well, I think I will do a much more in-depth episode in natural wine soon. But for now, I want you to be energised by the incredibly passionate Andrea. I loved listening to his story. So I hope you do too. Andrea... I'm very excited you're here. Teach me about food. Teach me everything you know. Go. (laughs) (laughs) What do you want me to teach you first? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Tell me anyway. You have, oh, had so much experience working in the food world and, of course, adore wine. And that is also how we have become friends. Precisely. How the hell did you become a chef? What, What was your inspiration? Let's go with that first. To be honest... Um, I was 16 years old and my yeah. girlfriend at the time wanted me to make cakes for her. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, what? Uh, so that's not a bad thing. Okay. Yeah. And that's how I got into cooking. I try, you know, um, I started doing cheesecake. And okay. uh, so what happened is that I was never happy. So I, remade, uh-huh. I made cheesecakes for like two months every day until okay. I, reached, I reached the perfection of the cheesecake. And ah, then I won okay. an, a, an award in Italy for a cheesecake. Did you? And uh, Yes, when I was 16. I was like, maybe I should get into cooking. So I got into cooking and I started to watch Heston's Feast uh, on TV in English. Uh-huh. I didn't know uh-huh. English. I was just watching him doing stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I was like, I want to try to do this thing. So I bought the, the Fed Duck book. At mm-hmm. the time, you know, I mean, uh, it was, one, you know, Heston one, was the pioneer of molecular cuisine. Of so course. I bought all the ingredients from Spain, from uh, Ferran Adria, of course, the other pioneer 
of molecular cuisine and got into molecular cuisine and I didn't understand any of it. But At what age were 16, you doing this? 16, 16 you were dealing yeah. with molecular cuisine, okay. Yes, in, in a country where Italian food, that's, that's it. That's all there is, mm -hmm. Italian food. Actually, not that, regional food. You're born yeah. in Ferrara, you have food from your region. Or we mm -hmm. say from your city, that's it. You know, because Emilia-Romagna is actually the region in the world with the most variety of food. So every single city has different food. You are very lucky coming from that region. I mean, we'll really get, good. we will get yeah. on to the balsamic and the parma ham and, and cheese later, won't we? <laughs> of course. But anyway, you know, I uh, got into molecular cuisine, didn't understand anything. But, you know, the reason that I got into cooking, cooking is because I love to do things I know nothing about. If I know nothing about, I'm curious and I want to learn, I want to know more. And it's practical rather than theoretical. You actually yeah. see results, you know, the same way, you know, you do math, one plus one equals two, all right. Uh, you know, salt plus water equals salted water and so on and mm -hmm. so on. So um, it was very good to learn quickly because you can see results straight away. And uh, that's how we got me interested. Fantastic. So... You are obviously all over the place now. Now, your CV is pretty impressive. Actually, let's talk about that before we get into the celebrity chef world. Yes. You know, so you're doing your molecular-inspired cuisine. You've mastered this cheesecake. You're winning competitions in Italy. Where do you go from there? Of course, my, you know, when I told my parents I want to go to cooking school, they said no, because, you know, <laughs> uh, you know think about the 99% of the chefs in the world. What do they do? They stay in the restaurant. Long hours, uh, low pay, okay. mm -hmm. uh, no holidays, no time for the family. Most of them are addicted to drugs or alcohol. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's not a very nice environment, you know, for you to be like, oh, yes, yeah, I'm just going there. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? It's okay. because it's not easy. It's very challenging on many sides. But I knew that, you know, I, all I needed is to learn how to cook to then take my life whatever I wanted to be. You know, mm -hmm. but, you know, we're talking about more than 10 years ago. So uh, it's just very difficult uh, to predict where my life would have been, you know, if I didn't do certain choices. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I convinced them. They sent me here. I studied at uh, Le Cordon Bleu, okay, uh, yes. French cooking school. And uh, I researched online for the best cooking school in the world. There was Le Cordon Bleu. And Is there it? was one in the US. And there uh -huh. was one in Switzerland. Uh, the difference is that the U.S. is too far away, so I didn't consider it. The one in Switzerland is five years. The one in London is nine months. Nine months. Wow, yes. okay. Very good. So I was like, all right, uh, I'm, I want to do that. But the problem is that university in Italy, you know, for any course, business, whatever, you know, finance, uh, let's say that nine months of course at Le Cordon Bleu would have costed like seven years of university and lifestyle and holiday in Italy. Ooh. So hmm. they told me you either choose seven years of that or nine months, but we close the bank after. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so I um. decided to choose for the nine months in London. And mm -hmm. uh, then because, you know, I was very motivated, I met, emailed the top 50 restaurants in the world and I said I wanted to stage over there. All 50? All 50? Yeah, all 50. All 50. Anywhere they were in the world. And mm -hmm. um, I received a couple of answers, negative, and one saying, yes, you're on the list. You can start with us on the 2026. This was 10 years ago. Okay. <laughs> Just to make any sense. So uh -huh. there is like a 13, 14 years waiting list to start. 
staging with them. And uh, this was this restaurant called Mugarit in San Sebastian. Yes. And um, so I simply called them and be like, I received this email, there must have been a mistake. I'm ready to start now, you know. Uh, <laughs> and then they said, no, actually, you're on the waiting list, you know, for the next years. But I kept emailing them and calling them until... They got annoyed and said, okay, leave yeah. us alone, just come here. <laughs> they, they, they called me when they said, like, if you're here by 3 p.m. tomorrow, you can stay with us. So I just took, left whatever I was doing and took oh the first gosh. plane and uh, nearly skipped the graduation of Cordon Bleu. I just left right after. Oh, wow. And on the same day and um, went to San Sebastian and started my venture over there, which was difficult because I did not know Spanish. So uh, I had to learn Spanish with a little brief dictionary on the plane, on the journey there. <laughs> Knowing you, I'm sure that your literally uh, three-hour plane ride, you were already fluent in Spanish because you seem to be able to get everything sorted in ridiculous quick it was, time. It was, it was crazy, but I, I nearly got kicked out the first week because I did not understand much. I also don't think that you would have been well-behaved. I don't believe that. You know, you would have been easily <laughs> controlled. Do you think that's accurate? Well, yes, I would say so. But, um, you, <laughs> you know, know not... your own mind. Yes, precisely. And that's a good But thing. anyway, nevertheless, it was an amazing experience. Mm. I, the, the day one I arrived there, they made me wear a beanbag and uh, stay outside. It was winter when I went there. Mm-hmm. And uh, they gave me 10 birds, massive birds, massive birds, tall like me. They have just been shot, and uh-huh. uh, I had to pluck them. Oh my it gosh! Was, was... So you're wearing a bin bag to protect you from all the <laughs> not from the bacteria of the of the feathers. Oh, okay. You know, it's wild, <laughs> but wild bird. And uh-huh. they told me if you if any of them the skin breaks in any of them, you go home today. <gasps> really? This was no. my my welcome gift from from Mugari. It was very scary. And uh, it took me nine hours to to do all ten, just making a ten. It was oh, really wow. long, but I did it. You know, I did it. I mean, in Mogaris, I was doing all sorts of things, having you know razor blades, the one you use for your for your legs as mm-hmm. a woman, uh, do them on pigtails to peel the hairs from the pigtails. <gasps> really, or hundreds of them, or going inside the fridge with a blue neon light to separate crabbed particles from white to brown and no. all sort of things uh it, it was ridiculous but uh, you know wow. a lot of learning a lot of learning yeah. a lot of experience um a lot of hours for free of course but mm. you know it's an experience you meet a yes. lot of very good people the contacts that i made in uh, in mugarit they're still one of some of my best friends in, in life today so you know, um, because, you know, you live all together. 50 chefs live in the same house all together. Oh, wow. And uh, so it's you, crazy because it's yeah. 50 stagiaires over there for 50 clients, you know. Wow. But, okay. um, yeah, I mean, amazing adventure. After that, I went to Osiria Francescana. Yeah. The restaurant in Italy with Massimo Bottura. And you could speak Italian, obviously, so that made things easier. <laughs> Way easier. <laughs> Just a little bit. And, uh, you know, uh, amazing experience. At the time, it was the second best restaurant in the world. So, you know, be in the second best restaurant in the world. Just after six months, I was graduated. It was fantastic for me, you know. Mm-hmm. Amazing experience. But the problem is that being Mugari, it's the first restaurant I ever stepped in, in my life. I was trained in the mentality of Mugarit, which is sort of military. Okay. Stand up correctly, <laughs> always clean, always whatever, always organized. 
It's literally military school, Mugaritz. Uh-huh. Wow. And Ostero Franciscana was Italian, Italian, playing football in the afternoon <laughs> and uh, yeah, animals in the kitchen. And, uh, and I was like, where am I? Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was mad. So uh-huh. I could not find myself happy with where I was. Ah. Uh, loved the environment, loved the food, but it didn't match with the way I was trained, you know. Mm-hmm. So then very quickly, you know, I, after four months, I didn't, I didn't like, it wasn't the place for me. Amazing okay. place, but it wasn't the place for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had offers to go to Arpege in France. I had offers to go to Norman Copenhagen and all these places. But instead, I, I didn't want to stage anymore. I wanted to, you know, uh, to learn, you know, you wanted to, to, to fly to, to get paid. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm totally not yeah. on the right uh, end of the sticker. Okay, yeah, you wanted to get paid. Great. So I went to work for Gordon Ramsay, the three star restaurant in Hospital Road. Uh, okay. I was hired there and uh, I made a quick trial. Mm-hmm. Same day of the trial, I said to Claire Smith at the time, uh, sorry, this is not the place for me. I have another offer from Alina in Chicago, which is another very good restaurant. Uh, that I did not go to at the end, but uh, you know she she understood she understood she gave me her number. I mean, the reason that I didn't stay there is because it was insane, probably the most insane ah. restaurant I've seen in my life in terms in of human, human conditions. Hopefully, uh, it's changed now, oh, but at mm. the time it was not human. But anyway, um, <laughs> you know, I went to work for Jason Atherton for a new restaurant opening that at the time. Uh, no, it's, it's called uh, City Social. And uh, we gained a mission star in, in six months. I mean, it's amazing, mm-hmm. amazing, amazing. But after six months, um, I realized that I didn't belong into the restaurant world. We're talking about me at 22 years old saying, I am too good for restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, me, me saying that, uh, you know, I, I don't want to stay behind the shadow because I want people to enjoy the food I cook and want to see them trying my food. So uh, that was not easy, you know, and it was not an easy move for me, the 22 years old with a thousand pound rent room in London, you know, uh, to simply leave my job. Right. Mm. So what did you do? So I, I started asking people around. I mean, what other jobs do chefs do? So I did a six month transition where I tried everything, gastropubs, hostels catering companies, weddings, all sorts of things. And mm-hmm. uh, then I found out through the guy that, oh, there is also somebody, you know, there's this job being a private chef that where you cook for people. Either you do parties, you stayed with them, you travel with them, whatever you want is possible. And so I got into it. I made quickly my, my website, some photos with friends, some business cards. Uh, I made some very, very good business cards. I spent all my money on them because I thought if people need my business card, it needs to be luxury. Otherwise, oh. they will not keep it. I don't okay. want to make it white. I want to make it so thick that uh-huh. it can't break. And uh, my business card at the moment, if, if you turn on fire, it doesn't burn. It's that kind what? of thing. It's crazy. And it's made of paper. Are you an American psycho? I'm just wondering. No, <laughs> but I understand there are <laughs> <laughs> tell me, <laughs> tell me exactly what color of white or beige or cream is your card, and exactly what font and gold print are you using? But yes, sort of things like that. Um, having said that, that scene from America Psycho is really good. It I is. I mean, it's a really good. Yeah. Really. 
So yes, um, randomly in the street, uh, met Roger Waters from Pink Floyd. Ah, uh, okay. Stopped him, gave him my card. He completely uh -huh. ignored me, but he took the card because it was nice. Okay. And uh, after two weeks, I received a call from him and uh, from his PA, not from him, uh, asking if I can work for Mr. Waters. And that's how my journey started. How is that for the universe taking care of you? Yeah. I yeah. say this all the time. If you manifest enough, people might think it's all crazy. But I'm like, if you believe in it, you are motivated. You put it out into the universe. Look at that. What are the chances of meeting basically <laughs> a celebrity on the street? It's insane. Yeah. Yes. So explain to me yes. now... We're fast forwarding all the way. You have done incredible events. I mean, you've done events for like Kanye West and the Chelsea football teams and royal families. Yeah, be be everybody. Oh my God. So by the <laughs> way, if you do have any interesting stories, do feel free to let us know. I, I don't know. It's not easy to say. Interesting, <laughs> stories. interesting stories are very difficult. All, all I can say, one funny story is that I was on a, on a hidden island in uh, in the middle of Bahamas, okay. and uh, this guy wanted uh, some some sort of fruit okay. uh, that you could find not on that island, but apparently was present on another island. So they sent me with a machete and an helicopter to find <laughs> this fruit with a guarded bodyguard next to me. Oh my god! So and did, an armed bodyguard. It was crazy. Did you get the fruit? Did you get the fruit? Yes, we got the fruit. But <laughs> it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. And did he enjoy his fruit? He loved it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, um, there is no no. Uh, everything that a client asks for, it's yes. Yes. Everything is possible. So to explain to me <laughs> a yes. day in the life of a celebrity chef, you know, working with celebrities and high-end business people. Talk to me through a typical... Do you so, have a typical day? No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Give me one day. So every day of my life is different. Okay. Let's say that I, I'm hired to go mm -hmm. for three days somewhere in the world to cook for, for somebody. You may do breakfast, you may go out shopping, you may go on adventure, you may, for example, there's this client in Scotland that wants me to go with him diving for scallops in the morning <gasps> every day, 6 a.m. Do you go diving? And, uh, you personally yeah. go diving? All right. Yeah, with him, yeah. That's fine. And so, you know, depending on the client, you have to do different things. Mm. So far, I've been, you know, more than 10 years with every day a different day. Okay, so then in that case, I want you to tell me about the experience you had hosting a private party for the Lieberpatter wine. So if anyone who doesn't know yes. about Lieberpatter, they're three wines, like a red, a white, and a sweet wine from Bordeaux. But they are, poof, they sell for... £2,000 a bottle, uh, very often plus. And the whole idea of this winery, it's Loic Pasquier. He wants to produce these wines that are as close to pre-Phylloxera wine. So before like the 1800s, when Phylloxera came and devastated, the vines there were vines like Castet, Tarnay-Coulant, Saint-Marquet, and he is growing just a little bit. And he's making these superb, amazing wines. He doesn't follow the Bordeaux rules. He can't even say Grave, the wine region. He has to declassify himself as a van der Pei. Yeah, he's selling one of the most expensive yeah. wines in the world. These are on ungrafted rootstocks. They're just incredible, incredible wines, aren't they? Right. So, what did you do? How was that party? Who came? So, um, this was the party for the launch of the 2015 Liber Pater. Mm, okay. 2015 Liber Pater uh, is the most expensive bottle on release mm. ever sold. We're talking about a 30,000. Uh, twenty-seven thousand pound bottle, uh, you know, and for just... two thousand fifteen, you know, <laughs> on release, it means that it's not been aged or anything. It's not vintage. It's not 
you know, yeah. limited edition to 500 bottles, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, incredible wine. What happened is that uh, we see, he simply called me uh, through a friend of mine called Sasha, mm-hmm. Alexander Lushnikov, who's one of the founders of the Golden Vines that we're going to talk about. Ah. Uh, so he asked, listen, he needs to make this dinner for 50 guests. He has, you know, in his cellar, in his, you know, in the where he makes the wine, but he has nothing there. So you need to go there and build the kitchen and build the dining room. Mm. So in a week, we we built the place up, considering there was a lot of work. So down. Yeah, it was a lot of a lot of lot a lot of work to do, because of course, you know, imagine uh, a wine a winery in the countryside in France. Hmm. It's not, I cannot say it's very luxury most of the time. You know what I mean? It's not, we're not talking about Chateau Iken. We're not talking about a DRC. Mm-hmm. It's a rural company that makes exceptional wine. That's what Liber Pater is. Yeah. Uh, you know, I went to visit Iken uh, after, you know, during the visit and you can see this massive luxury state. It's beautiful. But, you know, there are two different words. Liber Pater, Loic is a genius that makes mind-blowing wine mm. in his boutique winery. Well, he just literally, when he farms his vines, he goes out him and a mule. And I think he has a plough that's like 150 years old, and that's it. Yeah. So that's what yeah, you're getting. It. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you go into his vineyards? Absolutely, yes. We went there. And we picked some grapes, we tried the grapes, all different ones, and actually made a risotto with some of the grapes. So, <gasps> yeah, that was really good. So, no, how did you do the risotto? So, you, you picked so the So, it grapes. was a risotto with, uh, I mean, it's an escargot risotto. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, escargot, yes. you know, the snails. And uh, the, I, t- I picked the grapes, sour grapes, so they were not ripe. Okay. And I made, like, a reduction of it. Oh, wow, with some, okay. Of his uh, 2015. <laughs> oh, I love that. So I used some 2015 oh. mm-hmm. plus some grapes, yep. and I made a sauce out of the, you know, out of the wine. I would call it a red grapes reduction. Yeah. The most expensive red wine reduction ever made in the world, of course. <laughs> but yes. uh, that's how you finish the risotto with it. So you do a parmesan cream, escargot, uh, parsley, uh, parsley oil, and a red wine reduction. Yeah. It was mind blowing. Oh. But I hear in his vineyards, like he plants at super high density, like very often for people to understand what high density is, we're talking like 10,000 vines per hectare. He doubles that at like 20,000 vines per hectare. I don't even, I've never been in a vineyard like that. So that must be, that's why I was asking you, had you been in there? Because that's just, just. It's unique. Oh, yeah. And it's also very natural. You can see insects coming and going, you know, he lets nature be nature, Mm. you know. Uh, he doesn't inter- intervene with it, oh, wow. and uh, it's it's something unique, you know, compared to every other place that I explored in the world. Fantastic! So you made this reduction with the um, with the grapes. Obviously, they were showcased in the 2015 wine, which you had, I assume, at least a full glass. Yeah, I have three bottles in my house. <gasps> still, still. <laughs> I- yeah, still. Oh, well, it's interesting. It's, 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 I, I drink it every once in a while. It, it's, it's really good. Oh, I've never had a Liber Pata wine, yes. for obvious reasons. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, of course, Liber Pata, you either buy it or you're lucky enough to try it exactly. or it's your bottle. Let's say that. Is 
his wines quite concentrated and powerful because I know they're very low yielding or actually is it still quite a classic um, earthy savory kind of dry style of Bordeaux where would you put his wine? very difficult to describe it so uh, <laughs> the, the 15 in this case uh, has an, a unique experience because the grapes that he uses the techniques that he uses it cannot be compared to any other Bordeaux wine Mm. Uh, that's my point of view. Oh, you're just leaving us. Unfortunately, it's it's very difficult to to describe. Oh, very difficult to describe. Leaving us hanging. <laughs> you all gotta right. have to try it. All right. Okay. So you mentioned about the Golden Vine Awards, which you helped organise. This is so, I I just hope people who are thinking about like should I go into chefing and whatever you are going to inspire people right today. So, <laughs> what was your part in organising the Golden Vines Awards? So, of course, you know, for the people that don't know what Golden Vines Awards were, uh, you know, uh, how can we describe them? The first Nobel of fine wine. Yeah. That's how so, we can describe it. Yeah. So, Gerard Basset, for anybody who doesn't yes. know, look him up. In fact, when I passed my WSET diploma, you get to go on stage and somebody important in the wine industry basically hands you your certificate i was very lucky that gerard basset was the no person. way yeah so you know it just it feels special to have had yeah i mean the tiniest of interaction with him but you know he is superb and for anyone who doesn't know he is the only person in the world to have a master of wine and be a master sommelier along with that he has an obe and an msc and uh, an mba he was world's best sommelier you know he yep. It was the owner of the Terravina Hotels down in the New Forest. And he's just an incredible, hu- he was an incredible human being. And people should definitely look yeah. him up. And he sadly died in 2019 at 61 mm. with cancer. Anyway, his wonderful wife used, they were very much about diversity. Um, and he was a foreigner that came into England and had to really work his way up. And so this whole like foundation that they've set up is to raise money to fund diversity inclusion in the wine industry. And so, yes, there's amazing awards go around to all these wonderful wineries, people, celebrities, everyone turns up. People basically are spending money at, it was Christie's that hosted the- um, Yeah, auction. Thank you, that hosted the auction. And the most popular lot, do you know what the most popular lot that sold? Tell me. You don't know. I, I must probably know, but I wanted to say it. <laughs> it, uh, it's a liver patter, 2011, 18-litre <laughs> bottle. It did come with lunch and a tour of the Grava State. It also, I don't know if you know that, but it, uh, the, it was sold one minute to the end of the auction. Was it? <gasps> yeah. Oh, wow. So and one minute before the end, we received the offer. And 90, it was incredible. 90,000. Yes, pounds. correct. Yeah. insane okay so I've led you in I've explained what the Golden Vine Awards are so tell me about being there on the night so of course you know we've been working on the project for over a year and a half that's something important to understand wow Uh, lots of details uh, to organize considering it's a non-profit event uh, you know it was it was intense and there was a lot of organization but the beneficial and the foundation that we built is is exceptional the potential I will give to you know to all the community of sommeliers and uh, you know the source the access that we're mm-hmm. giving it's it's unique. My role in the Golden Vines, rather than the mind that created it, which is Alexander Lushnikov and Louis Chester uh, from Liquid Icons, uh, mm-hmm. you know it was to you know help and connect 
with them, with as many people as possible, help them yeah. choose the venue, help them choose the all sorts of things. So, for example, I put them in touch with Mauro Colagreco, the head chef of Mirasur, that uh, mm-hmm. 2019 Best Restaurant in the World. So I you know, simply gave him a call and told to me about the project and uh, got him on board to make a lunch yes. for us at the Connaught Hotel and to make a dinner for us at Annabelle's. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, already trying to find him. We need, we need uh, best, one of the best chefs in the world to cook for us because we're going to yes. have the best wines in the world. And having Cola Greco was exceptional. Really, really good. And um, this year was unofficially oh, part okay. of Golden Vines, organized with Golden Vines. Next year is going to be officially. This mm. is good. So let's see what happens next year. It's going to be even better, of course. But this year was <laughs> mind-blowing. Kylie Minogue came singing. Uh, which was exceptional. We had an we had an amazing host. We had I mean the wines were absolutely incredible. Yes. Okay. So what did you? So you started with Dom Perignon P two two thousand three. Correct. We actually we actually started with Dom Perignon as, a, as oh, an aperitivo. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then we start, Then we went with Dom Perignon P two. So for anybody who doesn't know what Dom Perignon P two is and there's also a p3 as well it basically the p stands for apparently plenitude so dom perignon just to understand is always a vintage the chef de cave he kind of believes that dom perignon it kind of matures in cycles so you have like these different peaks of maturity so the first release always gets released after seven years aging on the lease that's effectively a p1 but it's not labeled that way it's just the standard then you have p2 which is what was drunk and that's age so it's will be from that same vintage but they leave it longer so it's 12 years lees aging and then there is a p3 which is 20 years lees aging but the 12 years lees aging for anyone that you know the creaminess the richness anyone who's not aware what lees can do the autolysis and the flavors that come with that in champagne you get this kind of really the brioche the the biscuit and it will have just been so intensified but also incredibly fresh because the lees also stops the wine from oxygenating so i can't oh i'm jealous i'm jealous that you had the dom perignon p2 Yum. <laughs> <laughs> we started with the dom perignon dom perignon p2 then we jumped into Igor muller 2015 mm-hmm. which was an incredible wine creamy nutty a bit sweet and uh I just had a kind twelve glasses of it, of course, but I had to. I had to try it. I had to try it again. For anybody who doesn't know about Egon Muller, I mean, this is one of the highest respected wineries in Germany. They focus really on Riesling. They have some ungrafted vines. Um, so, and in fact, many of the wineries won awards on that night, and the Egon Muller won the fine wine producer in Europe. Precisely, award, didn't they? Yeah. So check them out for sure okay so you love that again i've not had i've not had any egg on muller <laughs> you have reasons. to try it it's, it's yeah. mind-blowing mind-blowing yeah. and uh of course after egg on muller what can come uh domain de la romane conti grand hsc <laughs> 2005 yeah and uh i had to try quite a few glasses of that too <laughs> you had to uh, did you, know, you? Uh-huh. i had to double check that it was actually nice you know i mean drc <laughs> I've only ever had, and not even a full glass, I've had a sip, you know, as a sommelier, opening up a bottle, quickly checking it's okay and taking it to a customer, which is just not the same. Uh, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But for anyone who doesn't know about DRC, I mean, this is, these are the largest owners of red wine Grand Cru's, 
they have the monopoles in Lomani Conti, Latash. They they're known as the domain, aren't they? These guys yes. are one of the most. In fact. One of my episodes just before, I talked about counterfeit wine fraud, fake wines. And I mean, DRC wines are basically one of the most counterfeited wines in the world for obvious reasons, because they are incredibly desirable, incredibly rare, incredibly expensive. So yes, of course, you had quite a few glasses. (laughs) It was really good, to be honest. How was that moment? How does that compare as a a Pinot Noir, you know, drinking Pinot Noir in that moment? Of course. Do you feel like you're not even drinking Pinot Noir? You feel like you're drinking something... You feel like drinking DRC. Uh, it's yeah. a unique, you know, the same way that you're drinking Liber Pater, you're drinking DRC. It's another level. Uh, mm-hmm. It's another refinement. Uh, it's very light, but it's also very aromatic. Uh, but it's also uh, very intense, you know, when you swallow it. So there is, it's a multi-layered wine. Mm-hmm. Um, DRC, uh, I had, the, you know, the pleasure to try it, quite a few vintages, but... You know, La, La Tache in Grand Cisse, they're my favorites. And 2005 is a solid, solid, solid vintage it is, for the isn't it? Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Really good. For many actual regions in, in France, in fact. Yeah. And then after that, oh, well, you after a little after sticky, that didn't you? Came uh, a little, little surprise, which was uh, <laughs> one of the only three liters available of 1988 Chateau Camp. Ah, so they put it in large format. Oh. Yeah. And it does, I mean, if you look for it or for sale, it does not exist. So you cannot find a three liters 88. So Pierre Luton uh, brought one from his own cellar for us. Wow. And uh, it was absolutely incredible. I loved, I love Ikem. You have to understand that I love Ikem and I can drink a bottle of Ikem by myself without <laughs> any problems. What would you have Chateau de Kem with if you had you had to put some food, obviously dessert, what would you pair with it? Um pear tartatan. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Really good. Very nice. I can understand. Pear tartatan and Chateau de Kem. Or if you want to go another way around chestnut and dark chocolate ah that's an interesting one i like how you i would never think to pair well not never but i wouldn't ideally think to take a sauternes and pair it with chocolate but i like how you're putting it with chestnut so then that yes. nuttiness oh hey that's it's an really interesting good combination very Pairing good cream or chestnut mm. and chocolate with a cam they go perfectly yum yeah uh, very different flavors but yeah. uh, they go super well with each other oh. So for anyone who doesn't know about Chateau de Kem, it's the, in the 1855 classification of Bordeaux, there was only one Sauternes to be like the premier, premier, the crew, superior wine and have the top classification. And it was the only one. And still today, it is known as, ugh, it's fair to say, the best, the best. It's definitely one of the best. And possibly many people would say the best dessert wine in the world, right? Oh, yeah, there is. It is indeed. I've tried a lot of dessert wines. Uh, that I love, you know, I've been to Pantelleria, an island in Italy, where you have the passito from Pantelleria. Mind-blowing experience. Mm-hmm. But when you drink a cam, you drink a cam. And uh, there's nothing to say about it. It's the best dessert wine in the world. <laughs> there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. The, the best sticky <laughs> in the world. You now know where to go. We will be continuing the conversation with Andrea next week. And as he is from Emilia-Romagna, we'll be focusing on that region a little bit. And of course, one of the most famous wines from Emilia-Romagna, Lambrusco. And no, it's not all sweet. 
And yes, you need to know about this wine. <laughs> Plus, of course, we'll be talking more about luxurious foods and some perfect wine pairings to go with it. Now to finish off, I have a wine quote from John Michael Broadbent, who was a master of wine. In fact, he was the 24th person in the world to get that recognition back in the 1960s. And it was that decade that he's best known for restarting the Christie's wine auctions. So it seemed quite apt to mention him on this episode. He sadly passed away last year, but at the grand old age of 92, leaving behind an incredible legacy. He was a wine critic. He has written amazing articles. And just one little sentence of his says drinking good wine with good food in good company is one of life's most civilized pleasures yes john yes it is thank you as always for tuning in i absolutely appreciate from the bottom of my heart you listening for those of you leaving comments and emailing me and contacting me it's fantastic remember you can always send an email yanina at eatsleepwinerepeat.co.uk or find me on instagram at eatsleepwinerepeat.co.uk underscore wine repeat do you like the episode share the episode with your wine loving friends make sure you have subscribed if you haven't already you do not want to miss an episode and until next week where i take you to italy cheers to you <laughs>